0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another week. My name is Sam and this is The Daily Oz. It's Monday, the 18th of October. Across the weekend, we had some pretty big COVID-19 announcements and we'll take you through the major ones from Victoria today. In Victoria yesterday, there were 1,838 cases of COVID. New South Wales recorded 301 and the ACT recorded 33. Zara, big weekend for our Victorian listeners. They found out how they're getting out of lockdown. What do we know so far?
1: Yesterday, Victorian Premier Dan Andrews announced some changes to the roadmap and that lockdown would be lifting at 11.59 on Thursday. So what we know now is that From that time, you'll be allowed 10 visitors in your home. Outside gatherings will be limited to 15 people. There'll be a staggered return of years 3 to 11. There'll be no travel limit or curfew within metropolitan Melbourne. Victoria is predicted to pass both the 70% double dose and 90% first dose vaccination rate this week, which is fantastic news for our Victorian listeners.
0: In New South Wales yesterday, there was a major policy announcement in the mental health space. $130 million was pledged for funding to provide more appointments for psychology and psychiatry services throughout the state. The funding is set to address the rise in eating disorders and self-harm presentations, while also launching a suicide prevention training program that's set to be the state's largest ever program.
1: Quarantine-free travel is set to resume between Australia and New Zealand's South Island after travel was paused during the Delta outbreak in Australia. Both New South Wales and Victoria will now allow trips to resume and accept travellers from midnight on Tuesday after the South Island hasn't recorded a COVID-19 case since last year. Of course, we do know that that's not the case in Auckland as cases have continued to spread over there.
0: And today's good news, 260 AFL and AFLW players have come together to form the AFL Players for Climate Action. They're a group calling for greater action to tackle climate change. And according to their co-founder, Tom Campbell, quote, AFL Players for Climate Action helps players find solutions to reduce their own emissions, use their profiles to share personal experiences about climate change, and build support for greater climate action from clubs and fans. So on Saturday morning here in Australia, there was news of a terrorist attack in the UK. The killing of British politician Sir David Amess has been declared now a terrorist incident by UK police. It's a case that is developing quite quickly, and we thought we'd get you ahead of a major story out of the UK. So, a mess was stabbed several times in Essex, east of London, on Friday in the UK time. He was meeting constituents in a church at a regular surgery. A 25-year-old man has been arrested on suspicion of murder, and the investigation is being led by counter-terrorism police. Zara, what's a surgery in this context?
1: Yeah, this was a word I hadn't heard before. So it's quite unique to UK politics and MPs hold what's called a surgery, which is basically a roving office. It's an opportunity for constituents to meet up with the MPs one-on-one and for the MPs to hear about what issues constituents might be having and vice versa. However, this is now the second murder in five years of a British MP and it is expected that the security protocols around these surgeries will be closely examined with some MPs already calling for the practice to be abandoned.
0: So this follows the 2016 murder of British Labour politician Joe Cox, who was murdered at a similar constituency surgery. In the hours after the stabbing over the weekend, we've already seen the order of an immediate review of security arrangements for MPs, not just in their constituency surgeries, but all hours of the day. Here's what the UK Home Secretary Priti Patel had to say about the incident just yesterday. Less than 24 hours ago. David was in his own constituency doing a local advice surgery which is something that all MPs do week in week out and of course David as I knew him and as we all knew him was just a passionate advocate and a champion for South End this wonderful wonderful town and with that of course he was a man of the people.
1: It's now been a couple of days since the tragic events what do we know about who was involved?
0: So firstly, we know the 25-year-old man is being held at a London police station under the Terrorism Act, and this is an act that allows police to detain somebody without charge for a number of days while they conduct their investigation. That timeline runs out on the 22nd of October, where they have to either release or charge the man. It's expected that he'll be charged with Sir David Amess's murder. The BBC is reporting that the man was referred to the UK's counter-terrorist prevent scheme some years ago. Ultimately, this scheme is a community-led scheme. It allows members of the public to refer somebody who they think is at risk of radicalisation to law enforcement to undergo de-radicalisation pre-emptive programmes. It's important to note here, though, that the man was actually never a formal subject of interest to MI5, the security service in the UK. Officials have also ruled out anybody else involved in the attack, and they're finding out a little bit more about how long the man spent in this PREVENT programme. And ultimately, the key finding here is that whilst he was involved, he was quite peripherally involved and was never really taken on by the scheme as a priority to de-radicalise.
1: So obviously, as we said earlier, this isn't the first time an incident like this has occurred. There was the tragic killing of Joe Cox and many other attempts over the last couple of decades. So what further security measures do you think will be employed for these MPs in the future?
0: It's been interesting to read the coverage over the weekend from the UK. There is a strong sense that being able to meet a politician face-to-face is a key pillar of their democratic system. It's a key pillar of what it means to them to be in a democracy. We heard from the Home Secretary that they're still trying to find ways to allow face-to-face meetings with constituents to continue. One such suggestion was that they would meet constituents behind a screen to prevent possible stab attacks. Of course, a number of MPs and their staffers are suggesting that the entire practice be abandoned and that phone and Zoom be the preferred methods from now. But we have to remember that while this is the second murder in the last 10 years or so, there's been many, many incidents. A number of MPs in the UK, particularly those of colour, women and those who are outspoken on key issues, have 24-hour security and have security that is of a higher level than a number of their colleagues. It's now looking likely that this security will be across the board. With now the clock ticking for UK police to lay charges on the man we will certainly hear more about this story in the coming days. It's going to be interesting to see if the security measures being proposed will be passed and whether this will change the way that UK citizens interact with their elected officials. Here at home, there's plenty of news going on this week. We have the beginning of former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian's public ICAC inquiry. That's going to be a big story for us to cover this week. And we'll be following that story closely. Have a fantastic start to the week.